Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this beautiful Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. The Lord has been good to us once again to send out that great invitation to us that calls us together in His name. And as we come together, we are reminded that we live in a world that is disjointed and divided and discouraged and uh, weighed down by the... My mic's on. Weighed down by the uh, disparity of what life is like without Christ. That's how they live. But today, we're with people we want to be with, who we love to see. I love it when, you know, uh, I'll look over and I'll see all the guys are in a big old circle over there, and they're all looking at something and, you know, having a good time. I'll see all the little kids, you know, they're standing in front of the case in there that, uh, Andrea put together. Honey, I was with the little kids today and I was noticing the little detail of the little ladybugs. And uh, you may think it's a little silly thing, but to me, the little ladybug up in the tree and the one over on the book, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, that kind of beauty and love and unity and harmony that, you know, makes us all want to like go hang out at Tim's house or run around in the yard and play frisbee somewhere with anybody. I don't think you understand how beautiful that is. You know, I know some of you got together and you went and played frisbee and you included the girl that played with us before, or did she was she there? She didn't make it? She didn't show up. But the deal is, is, you know, when they do show up or when we're with them and we're there, they're seeing something they don't even, they really don't even know what they're seeing. But they see something, and sometimes it even scares them because they go, well, this must not be real. There, there, there's some ulterior motive going on here. It almost makes them suspicious when they see people just being with each other and loving each other and glad they're together. But this is what God has called us to. He's called us to unity. Everybody say unity. He's called us to one of the greatest things we're called to is something we don't even hardly know we have sometimes. But just the joy of wanting to sit at the table and eat and not wanting to run out the door, of wanting to go, where are we going? Who are we going to be with? You know, what's going on? You know, I mean, at our house, you know, Liam falls asleep at early in the day and or early at night, really. Well, not even quite at night. He gives to sleep early. Early and I was talking to him the other day, and he goes, oh, he goes, but when I was with the Hatfield kids, we stayed up really late, Dad. I didn't get tired, Dad. We were having so much fun, Dad, you know. Guys, do you know what a gift that is? That is a beautiful, wonderful gift. Psalm 16 says it this way, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extends not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. How many of you delight in the people of God? 
I sure do. To the saints that are in the earth, to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood, I'm not going to offer. I'm not going to take their names to my lips. What they're about, I'm not about. Where they're going, that's not where I want to be. But the Lord has in the portion of mine inheritance of my cup, he maintains my lot. My lines, the borders of my property, my lines are falling out to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh shall Rest and hope, for thou will not leave my soul in the grave. Neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Folks, there is a resurrection happening. And what we begin here at the table, at this table, at that table, at the tables of our homes, what we begin there, we will continue in heaven forever. Thou will show me the path of life, for in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Do you know? When you are with the people of God, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, He is there in the midst. He will show us the path of life. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. You wonder why you have joy when you're together, when you're with the people of God? Because God is with us in a way that is very, very special. And at His right hand, where? At His right hand, where we all gather together, there are pleasures for evermore. Can we say thanks be to God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially today. Lord, we rejoice, Lord. You gave us something to do yesterday together, Lord. Cleaning up the neighborhood and mulching and planting flowers and the community, Lord. And more fun together, just spending time together, eating fellowship, playing games. Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, we're living in a world where if we watch the news, we can become very depressed. If we look to what our future seems to be like based on the projections of so many, we have a lot to be anxious and worried about. But today we rest in You. We leave those worries behind and we know You hold tomorrow. Not what men do, not what they even can do to us, Lord, for even... If we were all cast in prison tomorrow, you're there. You're there with us. Lord, you would send us brothers and sisters in Christ who would visit us or who would even maybe be there in those places with us. Lord, wherever we go, you're there, Lord. And we pray today, Lord, that you would be here in a special way, that you would speak to us from your word, that you would draw us nearer to you, that you would make us more like we will be one day when we see you face to face. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Remain standing for just a little bit. We only have three verses to read the entirety of Psalm 133 is three verses long. What a great psalm it is. Psalm 133, my sermon text is, uh, my sermon title today is Behold the Beauty 
of brotherly unity. Psalm 133, a psalm of ascent, a psalm of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out upon us, Lord, your many, many blessings. I pray today that we would understand better your purpose for doing this and we would begin to behold it ourselves and see it and be changed by it as we go into your word here in Psalm 133. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. We should never underestimate the power of living out what we believe. Most of us really have no idea how much of an effect that we have on others who are watching us live out what seems to be to us ordinary lives. But I'm here today to remind you and to help you understand what we are living is anything but ordinary. You are not, you may have been ordinary and when God found you, but you're not ordinary anymore. The Bible says you are a peculiar people. That what God is doing in you and through you is different. We live in a world that wants to conform us to be like them, but God says, I want you to be like nothing they've ever seen. We are God's kingdom come. We are His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We are the subjects and fellow citizens of a kingdom that is eclipsing all powers all governments, and even all thoughts, one by one as the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. We are lights in a very, very dark world. And as Jesus said, we every week now, we say this in our profession of faith, we are, everybody say, I am. We are a city placed on a hill. And from this Sterling city, this Mount Sterling, God commands us to let our light so shine among men through the good works that we do, and in so doing, glorify Him. That's what God calls us to do. Those bystanders out there can and should not only see us, but they should smell us. They should be soaked in the mist of our blessed lives. And I say that, maybe you think I said the word midst, M-I-D-S-T, but it's 
mist. You ever go to, you guys ever go to a theme park and it's really hot out and they got these misters and they're just like, shh, you know, and they're, you ever go, anybody visit Niagara Falls? You go to Niagara Falls and you're, you're not in the waterfall, you're only by the waterfall, but there's something that's happening as the water is foaming and splashing and misting, it's coming up, and eventually you reach down, Jason, and what do you feel? You're wet. There are places in the middle of Africa at this incredible waterfall where the place around it is arid and it is dry and it is dusty, but all around the waterfall for a great deal, the mist travels and beautiful flowers and butterflies and vegetation are growing in the mist. What we say what we do, how we treat one another should be a sweet-smelling aroma that waves from our work and from our play, from our marriages and from our relationships that we have with our wives and children. From the sight of how we treat our parents and our brothers and sisters and one another within the church, it should be like a mist that covers those that are out there and that are watching. All of us should descend down like mountain dew, like Mount Sterling dew, watering the dry ground on every side of us, bringing beauty and life. Jeff, are you feeling a ministry here in the making of Mount Sterling dew? That's what, that's what should be happening around us. Did we ever think Mountain Dew might make it in a term, in this way, in a blessed way, rather than the scourge of all mankind? It is that Mount, that Mountain Dew we will be talking about a little bit today. Out of our bellies, the Bible says, should flow rivers of living water, the watering of what will be the new earth, the changing of the desert, of ignorance, the ghetto of lawlessness, poverty, pain, and destruction to the truth that makes men free. From us should come laws that bring true liberty, wealth that cannot be corrupted through moth or rust or be stolen by thieves or taxes. Beauty and goodness that brings peace that passes understanding and pleasures at the right hand. Of God. That is the vision of what God is doing through you. This is not only our calling, it is our reality. This is not a sermon to try to explain to you that, all right, you need to be missed and you need to be due and you need to be oil, as we will get to in a minute. I'm not trying to explain to you what you should be, I'm trying to explain to you what you already are. We may not be able to see it happening, but it's certainly happening to us and through us, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and me. Psalm 133, this three-verse song, with no minor chords or complaints, no lamentations or pleading for salvation from certain death, it is a vision of the wonderful work of God's Spirit in the people of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. Isn't that, shouldn't that put a smile on your face today? We don't have to 
explore the depths of the painful emotion of how we've wrecked our own lives and our sin soils us to the point where we need to desperately cry out to God. I'm glad we're not in a psalm like that today. And what I'm calling on us to do for just these few minutes together is behold the beauty of brotherly unity. Stand back. Stand outside of our circle today and try to look in at what God is doing to you and through you in the world. Behold the beauty of brotherly unity. Now let's do a work. Let God do this work in you as you rest in His goodness and trust in His power at work among the weak. This is where His strength is made perfect in weakness. I think we're so worried, Tim, about what we need to do to bring God's kingdom. And God says, no, no, no. I chose you and I'm going to bring the kingdom through you, but you don't have to worry about it. I'm doing it. It's an amazing thing in heaven. We'll get to push out our chests and breathe in deeply and square our chin and we'll be able to go I did that. What do you mean you did that? Yeah, yeah. God did it through you. You're going to see a world, and God, I'm sure, will show us the history of the world, how they were in sin and darkness and, and cannibalism and child sacrifice and satanic oppression and injustice, and God is going to show us the, the world going from a winter to a spring. He's going to show us how that He took the weak things of the world and confounded the wisdom of the wise, and that while they were letting off fireworks and while they were doing great moves and while they were taking over governments, God was just letting His sun shine and the green moss grow and the plants bust up the concrete and the world fade away and be replaced by the good garden of God. And you'll go, i got to be a part of that. I thought I had to work and stress myself out and raise the best children and have the most incredible marriage. And, and we had to knock the doors down and shake God into people. And, and all the while, God was laughing at not only the enemy that tried to rage against Him, He was laughing at us because we thought we were carrying what we could never carry. We thought we were doing what we couldn't even do. And God says, oh, I'm just watering you and I'm greening up the world and I'm doing it through you. Psalm 133, the inspired heading tells us that it is a psalm of ascent and that this one was written by David. Tradition tells us a little bit more. This is the 14th of the 15 of these Psalms. One more to go and we'll be done with them. And what you're going to see, that you're standing on the 14th stair with Israel at the end of their journey to the temple. And now they're there, standing on that 14th chair stair, looking up, looking into the temple and preparing to enter into the worship of God. The Holy Spirit inspired the one who arranged these songs as a group to lift Israel up from their common lives to see transcendent and transformational truths like the ones that we will behold here today. 
standing on the next to the last step, we will behold the beauty of brotherly unity and see how very important it is and why it must be at the core of the life of the new man created in righteousness and true holiness. You'll see in the epistles over and over again, God will use the writer to teach us about something transcendent. You were predestined. You are the power of God. God is using you and setting you above all principalities and powers and rulers and might and above every name. And this is what's going on. And then it always turns and it says, and for this reason, you should be honest with the people you go to church with. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's, you should be kind to them and, and you should forgive them because Jesus, He forgave you. And, and, and you know what? You should, son, dads, don't, don't, don't provoke your kids to wrath and don't be frustrated with them and, and love your wives. This is, this is what I think is so funny. He tells us these great, incredible, world-transforming truths about who we are and what God's doing and then tells us, you know, as, as a result, you should calm down and you should live a quiet life and, and, and you should learn how to be sweet. You should learn what meekness is about and kindness. And, and you go... No, 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 no. What I want, I want like, I want like lightning bolt powers from God. I'm ready to kick the faces in of these people that think they're running the world. And Jesus goes, Well, I'm kicking their face and I'm stomping them down and I'm treading them in the wine press of my wrath. But I'm doing it with sunshine and mist. We can see in our inspired heading that David is the author and tradition teaches us that he penned it and it was first sung as a unified Israel recovered from a tumultuous time of division and was unified as he was coronated king after God removed through death Saul. You see, a division had developed as God rejected but left Saul king of Israel and Saul chased and tried to kill David, whom God had chosen as his replacement. This went on for years. This was a many-year process that many had heard about how God had sent Samuel to anoint David. They saw that Saul was all about himself. They saw that he wasn't uh, in, in love with God and seeking the voice of God, but that he was all about being head and shoulders above Israel, about being strong, about... Uh, people honoring him. He was all about that. And they saw this David who had refused even to wear armor but faced a giant, a man who sang songs and worshiped God and loved to be. And when they got together to worship, David was singing and dancing. And they're like, they're like the disparity of what these two people began to cause a separation to happen in Israel and some started following David. The mighty men formed around him. Their families formed around him. People started saying, yeah, we don't like this Saul. And others started saying, we like David. Well, when's David going to make it into the throne? And, and others were like, I'm going to be loyal to Saul because his kids are going to... And this division was reigning. And you know what David was doing this time? Was David trying to make it unified by killing Saul? No, you know what David said? I will not lay my hand on the man God anointed king. God will do that. This is what made David a man after God's own heart. God delivered David, uh, delivered Saul into the hands of David once. He delivered him again into his hand. And you know what David did? David said, yeah, Lord, you delivered in my hand. I ain't touching it. 
Lord, you gave him life. You made him king. You can take his life. You can take his king. David even loved Jonathan, who really he was replacing. Because David, when Saul had would have died, Jonathan would have been the next king. But he loved him. It was a several year process of division. It was painful. And now it was over. God having made it clear to all the king he had chosen. God is the God of order and unity. And if we trust him, he will bring us unity. It may come through great pain and difficulty as it did at this time among the children of Israel, but it had come, and it was beautiful to behold, and it was supernatural. It was supernatural. God had brought Saul to his end, and David was coming into his kingdom. So he wrote it. He wrote this psalm for this, and let's get into it. It's only three verses, so don't worry, we're not going to be here for five hours. Behold, everybody say, behold. And folks, we get into this word, and the, behold, it's like this. If behold could be a sound, it's like this. Ba-ba! This is what this is. This is like, check this out! Ba-ba! That's what it is. This behold, you look it up in the Hebrew, and it means, wow! Check this out! Look here! Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The first word of the verse cries out like a trumpet blast. A call at a great unveiling of something marvelous. Behold, look at this. Like Paul taught the Philippians to think not on what was so tempting to think about. And I think we are too. How many of you get tempted to think about what the world wants you to think about? I'm telling you right now, it's my biggest complaint with this thing right here. I was thinking one day, I said, I, I believe in the future one day we'll go, do you know there was a time that every human being walked around with one of these things and they and, and they told you what was going on and they, they and, and people looked at it and they and they got to where they, they had to have it with them. Now in the future, you know what they're not they're gonna people didn't do that. Like, oh yeah, they did. It buzzed and they had to grab it. They got notified and they needed to know what that notification was, even if it was only that you hadn't played solitaire in a long time. And the Solitaire app was reminding you, you should play again. Okay. We get tempted to worry about what's going on and when's another mass killing and, and, and when are they going to change the currency to and, and oh no, what's going to happen and, and 18,000 cows ex- get killed. Did you guys hear about that? Oh, they're our food supply. Next thing you know, we'll, we'll only be able to eat hot dogs and not hamburgers. Oh no, it's going to be horrible. Paul taught the Philippians not to think about what was so tempting to think about how messed up it was to be oppressed by the Romans. How messed up it was to be chased and oppressed by the Pharisees who had rejected their Messiah. How poor they were. How sick the world was. How dark it was. He told them, don't think about that. Isn't that what we're tempted to think about? We're tempted to worry about it and think about it. What do you tell them to think about? Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are, everybody say lovely. 
whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This psalmist is doing this. He's saying, Israel, we're gathered together. And look around. Look at what's going on. Israel is united. Here they are. They're gathered together. They're not divided anymore. The mighty men aren't living off out here with the Philistines. And, and Israel's not wondering who they're going. Oh, we're here right now and we are unified. Look at this. Don't look back. It was David's way of saying, don't look back at the difficult times we just come through. Don't look at how bad it was to be ruled by Saul, how miserable it was to have to miss out on worshiping God with God's people as they gathered as a nation. How convoluted and confusing it was for him and his mighty men to live among the Philistines and Ziklag and, and to suffer many things and run for his life. It's not time to think about how bad it was. Behold and look at something. It's over. Don't look there. Look here. Behold what? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. As he pulled open the great curtain, they sang of what they saw in their presence as the nation gathered to crown their new king, a man after God's own heart, and what they hoped for their future. We're united today. We're gathered around. He's being anointed king because God put him here. He had already been anointed already once by Samuel. Now he's going to be coronated and anointed before all the people. Look at what God is doing right now. Look at what God's doing here right now. Isn't the Lord good? Wasn't it great to have a wedding and have a baby and have a church community clean up and have a game? And isn't it great? Isn't it great? Forgetting those things that were behind, they were reaching for a kingdom where God was the center of things and not man's strength and might as it had been with Saul. We're listening carefully for the voice of God to lead them into what God had called them to do and their promised land was their way forward. This is what unified people do. They forget those things which are behind and they press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you think every time Paul preached a sermon he thought about the last time he got beat or the last time he got stoned or the last time he got betrayed in a local church where he had... Uh, poured out his life and, and brought the gospel and he was shafted as a false apostle took over. No. You know what he was doing? He said, I forget all that stuff. I'm pressing on. I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm pressing on. I'm looking at what I'm looking at where I'm at. I'm here today in the pulpit. I'm here today in the church. I'm preaching. God is here with us today. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Good in the Hebrew means beneficial. Good means pleasant. I think that's funny. It says how good and how pleasant. But we look up the word pleasant, and pleasant doesn't just mean good. It says pleasant as in lovely, as in delightful and filled with pleasure. Do you know it's okay to look around and go, you know what? You know, doesn't Claire have like the cutest little curls? Isn't it awesome that Talia runs across and throws out her arms and wants to be picked up? Isn't that great? Do you know what I had on the end of my bed today? I had two little kittens. 
I had a dog that was wet from being outside that wanted up on the bed so bad because it was like, oh, pet me, pet me, pet me, pet me. <laughs> you go, what is that? Folks, that is the goodness of God. That is the blessing of God. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, if we wanted to, you know, take three million pictures and post them on Facebook and show, oh, look how great it is. Folks, there's just too many of There's too much of it. How good, how beneficial, how pleasant, lovely, delightful, filled with pleasures is unity. So I looked unity up too. What kind of unity are they talking about? It's the same word in Hebrew. It says, and God sent the morning stars and He flung them out there and they sang together. Can you imagine what that song was like, sister? What a beautiful song it was. He said, that's the kind of together I'm talking about. Together, it's the same word used in Ezra chapter 4 when the children of Israel had returned from exile and they're building the, the temple anew inside before they even built the walls and they're working. How are they working, guys? They're working together. Can you imagine what that was like? They're standing around, they're building the temple in a, a destroyed Jerusalem and they're looking over and they're going... Can you believe the king, the heathen king, gave us the money? He set us free. He told us to build it. And if we need anything for people to loan it to us and give it to us, and it looks like we're coming back. It looks like we're going to worship in this temple. Can you imagine that, honey, carrying the blocks and going, you know, right here, you know, the high priest probably going to stand on this rock right here. This might even be where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be. Can you imagine being a part of a building project like that? I, I think right here's where the table of showbread might be going. Hey, honey, bring me bring me some mortar. We're going to put between these two bricks right here. And 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 I think that one day this will be behind a curtain. We will never be able to go there. But oh, this is epic. They're building. I mean, this would not be like you know uh, building your dilapidated shed in your backyard and cleaning up your trash. This would be like this is like together, right? This is where that word comes that we hear over and over. And I'm looking forward when we get done with the Psalms. I'm going to teach the Book of Acts. And let me tell you a theme of the book of Acts. They were in one place and they were in one accord on the day of Pentecost. Here we read in Acts chapter 4, and the people, they were together and they prayed with the place where they were shaken, where they prayed together. Neither of them said that the things that were theirs were theirs. They gave them, they shared them because they were what? They were together. They were in one accord. You'll see over and over in the book of Acts, that what God has given the church is a unity, a unity that surrounds the fact that He has brought us not just out of darkness, but into His marvelous light, and that His blessings that He's pouring on us is going to be a blessing for the whole world. This is a jam-packed opening to a line of a song. Behold how beneficial, how lovely, how delightful, how filled with pleasure it is to see brothers and sisters dwelling together, wanting to work together, wanting to be together, wanting to play together, wanting to do something for God together. It is like the stars that shouted for joy together when God spoke them into existence. What a beautiful harmony it was to hear. What a glory it was to see. What a fragrance it was to smell. Now the psalmist expands on this by two examples in the following verses. 
for those of you teaching your children grammar, something that is like or as. So they're not saying it is this, they're saying it's like this. Because some things we can't even, there aren't even words. There's no words to capture what is going on, but they're like this. And so God's like, okay. So, so David is like, like, I don't even know how to say it, but let me tell you what it's like. That's what's going on here in this song. Can you imagine singing this song? So they're like, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. You know, and there's just like, you know, I don't know. How, I'm not a musician. Verse 2, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. I'm going to tell you right now, that verse, I could literally preach on this verse for weeks. Because you have to understand, David, he never met Aaron. And I, I was listening to them, re, I was listening to uh, Titus as he's reading this Exodus chapter 30. And I think people miss the Bible. They, they really miss it. Because God commanded that Aaron was going to do these things. Now, do you think Aaron was going to be doing these things for perpetual generations? What's going to happen to Aaron? Aaron's going to die. Was Aaron present every day for everything that went on? Or what's he talking about? Aaron what? Aaron is representative of the priesthood, representative of the beginning of all of these things. And so Aaron and his sons, David is calling back to the beginning of how it all began, the beginning of the church, the beginning of it all. To see this unity among the brethren was like precious ointment upon the head, but not just any head, ointment upon the head of their first high priest who represented all of God's spiritual leaders at that time in, in His church from that time into perpetuosity. This beautiful Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the first of Israel's high priests. His anointing was glorious. It symbolized something extraordinarily joyful. They had been a people who were in slavery. They were people that had been forced to eat the food of the Egyptians and build monuments to their false gods and burial places for their oppressive kings. This was what their life had been like. But God had said, one day you'll be a nation of your own. One day you'll have your own laws. One day you'll have your own land. And this day where Aaron was anointed with oil was the beginning of it all. God had delivered His law through Moses. He had told them how to build the tabernacle and all the things in it. And they, they, even before they even had a nation, before they had a promised land, 40 years before they even made it there, they knew the laws that were going to govern the land. Could you imagine this? We're going to write a constitution for the nation we're going to come into and we're going to start coming into it in like 40 years from now but we're going to go ahead and write our constitution and make our laws and know how we're going to live and we're going to start living like it even if we don't have any land to live it in. And you know what? We don't have a temple and we don't have a permanent place. God says He's going to do that one day. He's going to put us in a permanent place, but until then, we're going to carry around our church in a tent 
and we're going to get together and we're going to worship. And so Aaron and the anointing of Aaron in the beginning of the offering of sacrifice and the beginning of the priesthood, when he said, it's like oil on the head of Aaron. Can you see what he's trying to say? He's like, this is amazing. David didn't see it, but he sees it in his mind's eye that God began something incredible on this day. And he goes, when brethren are together like unity, it's like what it would be like like you might say, it might be like what it's like to see, to be there when John Hancock wrote on the Constitution his big name. And he says, come and get me if you want. Just see the founders of our country who gathered together and who said, you know what? I regret that I only have but one life to give for my country. I pledge my fortune. I pledge my sacred honor. I pledge it all because I want to build a nation on God. He said, he said it was like that. When brothers are together in unity, it's like being at the most incredible, historic and significant moment of all time in the history where God had oil poured on the head of our high priest that began the holy worship of God according to our laws. You could read this and go, oh yeah, that's great. It's like pouring oil on a guy's head. Can you see the difference of what's being said here? The image and the memory of how it all began for them. And so we get to the oil. And this for me was a fun thing. We ended up at our dinner table last night talking just about the oil for a really long time. Aaron was anointed with a special holy oil from God. It had given them a recipe for it. Titus read it for us today. It was made of myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. Sweet cinnamon. Sweet calamus and cassia. We don't even know what these things are like. Makes me think like that'd be something cool to have in a church. The essential spices God put forth to be a part of the holy anointing of the people of God, the beginning of the church. I kind of think I'd like to have some of these spices around here. Roughly a gallon of myrrh, which was if you ever had the opportunity to smell it, it is a warm, earthy smell of black licorice. Kind of a sweet, but yet strong smell. We all know what cinnamon smells like. For some reason, our kids accuse me of not liking cinnamon because to me, cinnamon has a place and it's not in certain things, but I love it. I love cinnamon. Just need to pull that out there again. I always have to tell my kids, I love cinnamon. Cinnamon's one of my favorite smells. Half gallon of cinnamon, half gallon of this stuff called calamus, which many agree was lemongrass. It is a, it's lemony without the, the, the tart. It's just the sweet part of the lemon smell. And then a gallon of this stuff called, uh, cassia, which is known today as Chinese cinnamon. It is a harsher, stronger cinnamon. So you get like a gallon and a half of the cinnamon smelling stuff, mix it with lemony stuff, mix it with black licorice, and then mix it in olive oil. Can you imagine what this would have smelled like? I mean, you put a little tiny lemon, uh, you know, essential oil or something like that in your house and put it in some diffuser, the whole entire downstairs is going to smell like cinnamon, right? Imagine a gallon and a half of it mixed with lemon and mixed with this and whatever, mixing in with the art of the apothecary as it says in Exodus chapter 30 and then 
we're going to get it. And, and he said, and we're not going to get a little tiny bottle and we're going to put it on our finger and we're going to rub it across his forehead. No, what we're going to do, we're going to get one of these shofars, one of these big old hollowed out uh, horns that were on a ram and we're going to fill it up with this stuff and we're going to go like this and we're going to go and we're going to pour it all over his head and it's going to run down his beard and it's going to be all over his clothes and it's going to go down to the floor. Folks, you could smell it from here. You could smell it at the front door when you walked in. I wanted to make it. I wanted to make it and I wanted to pour it on myself so you'd be a part of it today. But when I found out it would cost like a million dollars to make it, I opted not to do that. Our church budget's not ready. One day, though, it will be. But I literally, I wanted you, I wanted you to walk and go, what in the world is that smell? You see, smell was a big part of the worship of God. The children of Israel burnt incense every single day. And you could smell it coming up out of the temple. Do you remember it said Aaron is going to burn it every day? And this will be perpetual and it's never going to stop. And there was a smell and God said, and he wanted it to smell a certain way. So he made the recipe for the thing they were supposed to smell. I would love to know what that smells like and I would love to smell it. Not for the superstition of it all, but just for the beauty of knowing. These spices were mixed with olive oil and turned into an extraordinary perfume. It was incredibly aromatic. It was poured over the heads of Aaron and his sons as Israel gathered around. So if it were happening in a room, and this room were jam-packed with a thousand people, as they poured it, everyone in the room could smell it. And as Aaron walked around and his sons walked around, could you imagine someone covered in this? And the crowd, and they're worshiping and they're singing. And as he's walking around, this stuff is all over his body. What do you think? As he rubbed past, what do you think? It's getting on them. And everyone in the room is smelling, I think I got some of that on me. And, and they're like, oh man, this is awesome. Could you imagine having been a part of something like that? To me, that's kind of exciting. See, this is what David is saying, that unity among brothers is like. It's something that you smell. It's something that you smell from a distance, that you see it, that you're a part of it, that it gets on you, that, that, that it does something in you and to you to see it and to be a part of it. The strong smell of it, witnessing what God was doing for Aaron. You see, God was doing this for Aaron and his sons. But you got to be, he was doing it for you too. Do you see what I mean? He was doing it for them. He was doing it for the whole nation. It was amazing, the intense aroma of it. Brother Lee, unity is like that. As God blesses us, those around us, including those who don't even know Christ, they are blessed. Do you remember what God said about Abraham, his friend? He said, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God's goodness was poured out on his friend Abraham and his family, and the aroma of it was evident to all who came near him, to everyone, not just him. It was him, and it was his wife, and it was his slaves, and it was the people that lived, that his servants and the people that were a part of his life, and the, the maids and all these people that were around, everyone was like, man, those people. Wow. That's what it should be like for those who see our love and unity for one another here. 
It's no wonder that the lady across the street came over teary-eyed to say, well, I see your children playing with each other. It does something to me. What is she doing? She's, she can smell it. She can see it. She's, she's being affected by it. She goes, kids don't play with each other like that anymore. There's something going on over there. And I thought she was coming over to tell us that one of our kids had knocked her window out. Folks, what we do should spill over onto others. It should flow down our heads, our beards, down to our skirts. And as we walk among the people of this world, they should be touched by it and changed by the holy oil themselves as they catch some of the goodness of what God is doing through His chosen vessels. They put the same oil that they put on Aaron. They put it on every vessel they used in the temple. They put it on the ark. They put it on the lampstand. They put it on the furniture. They anointed it with everything. So when you walked in that place, the smell of it hits you in the face and you were reminded of what God has done. And it's like the Holy Spirit was like it took a physical form in the smells of these spices. And as they smelled it, they were there in a place that didn't smell like any other place. And you see, that place is a symbol of us. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the furniture in the temple of the worship of God. We are the building and the stones that have been built together by God into a holy habitation of God. And inside, everything inside of us should be anointed like the Holy Spirit is, that anointing. Behold the beauty of brotherly unity and let it change us. The Holy Spirit is said to be poured out on us as the anointing oil was poured on Aaron. The oil has always been a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We are now ourselves a royal priesthood. Part of the uh, worry some people have is we shouldn't make this oil and we shouldn't wear it and we shouldn't let it touch us. But I'll tell you what, we fit the description of who the oil is for. It is for the coronation of kings and royalty. It is for the anointing of church leaders and priests. And the Bible says we are a royal priesthood. We are the priests and kings of God. If anybody should be anointed with the holy oil of God, it should be us. We are God's anointed, covered by the oil of His Spirit, filling the earth with His glory. We have been made clean in the waters of baptism and then anointed as the Holy Ghost is poured out upon us, permeating our lives from head to toe. The cologne of His mercy on us changes the stink of sin that fills with the air the fragrance of God, not just in our homes, but in the whole earth. The third and final verse contains a second comparison that confirms and enhances the first and makes it more clear. The first seems a little bit subtle and veiled, but the second is blatant and straightforward. Verse 3. And as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. From much of Israel, a prominent snow-covered peak can be seen in the northeasterly highlands, not far from the modern-day border of Syria at the crescendo of the Golan Heights, stands Mount Hermon as it has stood since God put it there before Israel was ever a people. It has its own weather system and dominates the landscape and puts much of it under its shadow as the sun moves across the sky. Hermon puts much of the world under its shadow. The mountain is much more of a true mountain than Zion, which is by comparison a little tiny hill. 
from Hermon a heavy dew falls covering miles upon miles of what would otherwise be arid land, transforming a large tract of land into blooming fertile oasis of sorts. Miles below its peaks, a river explodes from the limestone in a cacophonous thundering foam and a frenzy unlike anything I have ever experienced in my life. When you hear the Bible talk about the sound, I heard the voice of God. It was the sound of many waters. I'll tell you what, if you ever get the chance to go to the bottom of Hermon and you get to see that, there is water thundering out. You couldn't, you can't even talk to the person next to you. It's so loud. Come on, boys, raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. I'm not exaggerating. It is so thunderous and it is so loud that the water is just gushing out of there and it's exploding out of there. And you go, what's it coming from? Well, it's coming from the dew, the heavy dew of Hermon. Miles below its peaks, around the banks of this spring, as powerful as the sea itself, it seems a constant mist of water, waters and feeds the plain, delicate flowers and a host of wildlife are living in the midst of this glorious watering of God. You see, that's how God used to water the whole world, remember? Before there was rain, what was it that came up every single day? A mist. You see, this is God's plan. In this image, you can see even more clearly what was said in verses 1 and 2. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Behold the beauty of brotherly unity. Hermon, which I am convinced must have been the Mount of Transfiguration, symbolized God Himself. And Zion below in the heart of Israel was a figure of God's people. All blessings flowed from God to man and from there in Zion where God's chosen people began, the city whose builder and maker was God. It was from there that the Lord commanded the blessing from them to all the earth, even life for evermore. You see, God, would He rain down from Himself to Jerusalem, to His elect people, rains down upon us. We are the new Jerusalem. And it is from there, if you remember, He said, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh as He promised in the prophet Joel. I want you to wait and I'm going to pour this out on you. He said that when it comes on you, you will be witness of Me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God commanded the blessing to begin at Jerusalem and to mist out and to flow out from there to all over the world. And in that same way, God is saving Mount Sterling through us. That's why we're here. Because He loves it. And He will love it. And He will save it. He will restore it. He will dispel the darkness. And God will raise a mountain here where there was no mountain. And we are here right now. We're the tiny mount. We're the little Mount Zion. Herman is there. That's God. And we're the tiny Mount Zion and we're here. But you know what's going to come off of our little tiny Mount Zion? We're going to have Mount Sterling Dew. You kind of like that, Stephen? You like it? Mount Sterling Dew. We're going to water this area. 
just by living here, just by being here, just by buying a house here, just by eating at the local diner, just by going to the hardware store, just by being here and playing in the yard, just by walking around and doing what we can do. God is going to bless us and He will bless everyone around us. And those that bless us, God will be blessed. And they'll figure that out. And so you know what they'll do? They'll want to bless us too. That's what it is. And that's what it means to understand what God is doing us through our unity. God has not just called us out of darkness. He's called us to dispel the darkness through our lives. And He makes us the light. He is the light that shines and we are the lesser lights that reflect His glory. Can we say thanks be to God? Isn't it a beautiful vision of how God is changing the world? Don't you feel less stressed out? That God is just shining on you and that's why you shine and He's just pouring on you so they get a little bit of mist and they're changed by it. He's anointing you with His Holy Spirit and that oil is getting on everything you touch and everywhere you're around and they're smelling and they don't even know what it is but they're just like, I need some of that. Man, that's a great picture. Aren't we glad David wrote it down? Aren't we glad Israel lived through what they lived through so that we can be here today rejoicing? in the beauty, in the pleasantness, in the benefit, in the loveliness of brotherly unity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this powerful three-verse song that raised the children of Israel from their homes far away. Now they're in Jerusalem. Now they're at the temple. Now they're up to the 14th step. Lord, as we come together again and we make it to the final step, in the Psalms of Ascent, may we realize, Lord, in it all, that You are the great mountain. The great mountain that sends its dew upon us. And we send our blessings on to those around us. May we be salt and light. May we see who we are and what we are and revel in the unity and revel in You. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us.